Welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. Excellent. We're ready for, for the word today? Good. Excellent. Okay, I, let's pray. Father, we set our heart and affection on you. Freely we get to receive what you paid for us in full. Thank you that you are restoring a revelation and understanding of our identity. Thank you that we can rest in your work as your work is complete. And then we go, get to work from that place. Lord, thank you. I don't, we don't have to work for, for value, identity, or significance because we already got it. We get to work from this place. We say yes to what you want to do in and through us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I wanted to talk about the why of Christmas. Have you ever wondered why? Why is it that people say they slept like a baby when babies wake every two hours? Why do we press so um, harder on a remote control when we know the batteries are flat? Why do banks charge a fee on insignificant, uh, insufficient funds when they know there's not enough? Why does somebody believe you when you say there are four billion stars but check when you say the paint is wet? Why do people pay to go up tall buildings and then put money in binoculars to look at things on the ground? <laughs> It's true, isn't it? Um, why can't why why do um, no? I won't do that one. Uh, <laughs> why do, do doctors call what they do practice? Why do you have to click on start to stop Windows? Why why is lemon why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor while dishwashing liquid is made? With real lemons. <laughs> uh, why do sheep? Why, why do sheep don't? Uh, why doesn't sheep shrink when it rains? <laughs> why a round pizza gets delivered in a square box? And why doesn't glue stick to the bottle? Sometimes it's good to ask why, right? Because sometimes you just think, well, that's always the way it is and has been. So it's good to ask why. So why the why of Christmas? What was the ultimate pur purpose of the birth of Christ? You know, Christians, and particularly at Christmas time, uh, it's so easy for us to focus and stop at Jesus, right? Because he's the, the focal point of of the Christmas story. Yes, he certainly obviously came to stand in the gap for us but the, uh, and pay the ultimate sacrifice for us missing the mark, and that was God's, God's love. But his birth, life, and death was all working towards an ultimate purpose. Jesus said that he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. So these three words suggest um, a question. So if Jesus is the way... What is, he, what is he the way to? So a way is never complete without a destination. <laughs> Damon, I had to laugh because you walked in and uh, I think you probably know the answer to this question. <laughs> what, 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 is the, what, what was Jesus the way to? Look, just look down on your shirt. The Father. Just stand up. <laughs> stand up, look. I am your father. 
<laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Thanks. Oh, fantastic. It's amazing how God helps your heart. So Jesus said that no one comes to the Father except through him. Right? So obviously we talk a great deal about Jesus as being our Savior, our intercessor, our mediator. All of this is wonderful, but it stops short of what Jesus' ultimate purpose was. And this is to bring us back to the Father. Jesus' ultimate goal was to reveal and represent God as Father and to make us members of His family. And that's our goal too, by the way. So Jesus came to represent God as Father. In John 17, if you want to turn there, uh, Jesus prayed on behalf of His disciples. And it was the last time He communicated them before His, his arrest um, and trial and crucifixion. And at the beginning and the end of that um, prayer, Jesus spoke of having made God's, known, uh, God's name known to his disciples. So during that time, um, that was his mandate, was to make God's name known to his disciples. John 17 verse 6 says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. That's John 17 6. John 17, 26 says, And I declare to, to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with whom you loved me may be in them, and I in them. And I in them. So what was the name that Jesus had made to, known to his disciples? So it, was, it wasn't the sacred name of Jehovah or Yahweh, which the Jewish people had known for centuries. For 14 centuries they had known God as Yahweh, uh, or Jehovah. It was a new name, a name that was only hinted at during the Old Testament, but never really openly revealed. That name was Father. Jesus described God as Father six times in his prayer and said, I have manifested your name. Now the name was Abba. He used the word Abba as, as Father. So Jesus manifested the Father by the way he lived his life, right? He lived his life in a way that reflected his Father. And it was a life of unbroken fellowship with and a total dependence on his Father. Jesus recognized that his Father was his origin and destination. Jesus had his sights locked onto the Father's will for his life. Jesus saw and heard first and then remembered and did second. How often in our lives do we do first and then try and figure out later? But Jesus' key was always he saw and heard first what the Father was doing and saying. And then he would go and do. He would remember what God, the, the Father had told him and he would go and do. We all remember things, but it, it's what we remember that de- determines how we live. So this is, you know, some some scriptural references to to how God, uh, how Jesus referred, and how interconnected He was with His Father in heaven. John sixteen verse twenty eight says, "I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father." So His origin, His origin, and His destination. 
John 6 6 verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do in my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 14 verse 31, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me to do. John 5 verse 19, Jesus Uh, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was with, with the Father from the beginning. John 10 verse 30, I and the Father are one. You're getting the picture. No one comes, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up on the last day. John 14, verse 28. You've heard that I've said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I go to the Father, for the Father is great, greater than I. John 15, verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So God created, God created the whole universe as Father. So from His position as Father, if you think back to the time of Adam, um, God walked with Adam in the garden as Father. Adam would have known God as Father. That relationship was obviously severed when Adam and Eve chose to disobey their father's instructions, and. Um, that was a catalyst to almost like a fatherless generation. And we see the consequences of that today. Jesus was sent to show us a way back to the Father. So the Father could reestablish a relationship with his children. And bring them place back to a place called Eden. Where he could once again walk and talk with his children. Isn't that cool? Eden was a place of unrestricted access to the Father. So fatherhood never began on earth. It began in heaven. It all started with the fatherhood of God. You know, Jesus was, I don't know if you recall, um, a couple of weeks ago I spoke about how Jesus was about his father's business. You know, from his first words um, was, didn't you know where I was? I'm about my father's business. And his, his father's business is all about representing or representing his father to to humanity now let's look at john 10 if you want to turn there john 10 verse 37 jesus has a really surprising perspective on miracles signs and wonders so verse 37 says do not believe me this is jesus speaking do not believe me Unless I do the works of my Father. Wow. So, yeah, Jesus is actually giving people, he's giving people an opportunity not to believe who he says he is unless, um, if he does not do the works of the Father. Uh, John, the Gospel of John reveals the meaning of the works of the Father. And that is 
absolutely miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, the Gospel of John also says, um, uh, it says, greater works you will do as I go to the Father. So think about, so Jesus here is giving people an opportunity to say, well, don't, don't, you know, don't have, you don't have to believe me, but look at, the, look at the works. If you think about all the prophets spoke of the, the coming Jesus, of the coming Messiah. Nature even responded to the coming Messiah through the star and the heavenlies. Even the angelic realm testified that Jesus was the Christ. But here Jesus was saying, you don't have to believe me, but, but um, uh, unless I do the works of my Father. So Jesus now stands before humanity and says that if you don't have to believe the prophets, ignore nature, and don't believe the angelic realm if, if I don't do the works of the Father. When the Father declared over Jesus um, when he, at, at the time of his baptism, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That was an act that a father would do when he would introduce his son into the community. He would bring his son into the community and he would announce that this is, this is my son, um, my beloved son, in whom, I w- and in whom I am well pleased. In that announcement, what a father would be doing for a son is he would be telling the community that from this point on, that whenever you do business with my son, you do business with me. It is the concept of inheriting the family business. So that's exactly what God the Father was doing for his son. When he baptized him, he said, Son, you're ready for the family but to step and inherit the family business. So the works of the Father is the family business. Right? If Jesus only did what he saw or heard, he was doing, he was acting on the instructions of what he had seen the Father do in, in, in the family business. Jesus says that you don't have to believe the prophets, the angels, nature. Don't believe any of it if I'm not carrying on the family business. It's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? How important were the works? Verse 38. I'm glad you asked. Uh, verse 38 says, But if I... If I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. I'll read it again, verse 38. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Don't you think there's a key in here for the church? How often is the church not believed? How often, how often is our message not believed? But what is Jesus giving us a key here? He says, you don't have to believe me, but believe the works. Because the works will point always to something greater. He's saying, if you're struggling with me, well, look at the blind that have been healed. Because all signs always point to something greater. Like an exit sign over a door. It indicates where you exit, but you don't crawl through the sign, right? You walk through the door to which the sign points. 
So, but the, the, so the sign is real. The sign is very real over the door, but actually is always pointing something to something greater than itself. So that's what Jesus was saying. The sign will point you in the right direction. It will point you back to me. And when you see me, you see the Father. All the miracles point to something greater than themselves. Jesus says that if you have a hard time believing me, then look at the miracles, believe them. Why? Because the miracles will take you back to me. And obviously we know that Jesus' ultimate purpose was to be about his Father's business. And he came to reveal the Father. And if the works and the miracles took, um, took people back to him, then they would see the, the Father in him. So Jesus was about the Father's business. And he performed signs and wonders to point people back to the Father. This was his primary assignment in coming to this, to this earth. is to reveal the Father in heaven. If Jesus said that if we don't, don't do the works of the Father, then don't believe me. Then what it would be like if the church stood up before the world and said... If we don't do the works of the Father, you don't have to believe our message. Pretty confronting, eh? Jesus' whole life was tied into his Father's business. Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father do. He never operated outside that reference point. And that reference point was his heavenly father. His whole existence was about the father and accomplish, accomplishing what the father had sent him to do on this earth. Jesus said that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. John 14 verse 28 says, You've heard me, uh, heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm on my way to the father because the father is the goal and purpose of my life. And guess what? That is the same for us. The Father is the goal and purpose of our life. Jesus was a kind, a different kind of messenger. He wasn't only a prophet, but he was a son. He brought a revelation that was very different to what the prophets had brought. He brought the revelation of, uh, that only a, a, a son could bring, and that was the revelation of a father. Matthew 11 verse 27 says Jesus himself emphasizes he's the only person who can bring revelation of God as Father. He says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he, and he to whom the Son wills to, rev to reveal him. So when, I, when we talk about miracles, signs, and wonders, it encompasses Everything within the, within the family business, right? So we, the miracle, whether it's a miracle of salvation, whether it's a miracle of, um, of healing in somebody's body, whether it's a miracle of a reconciled marriage or a relationship, that is all part of the family business. All those signs should always point back to some, someone greater than, right? And it should always point back to the Father. 
So when we come into the fullness of revelation of God as Father, here, here are some of the benefits. Firstly, it gives us identity. No one can really answer the question, who, I, who am I, without actually knowing who one's father is. You know, loads of people are rootless because of the breakdown in relationship in, in families, um, between parents and children. Christianity's answer is, is to identify um, that Christianity brings men and women into a direct and personal relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. People who truly know God as Father no longer have an identity problem. They know who they are, and they, they are children of God. Their Father created the universe, and the Father loves them and cares for them. They belong to the best family in the whole universe. So identity gives us identity. Secondly, it gives us self-worth. God loves us so much that once we really fully comprehend that we are children of God and that God loves us intimately and personally and that He's personally interested in us, that He is never too busy for us and He he desires a direct and a personal relationship with with us, then we discover our self-worth. We are truly transformed in God's presence. So, identity, self-worth. The third one, awareness of a home in heaven. As Christians, we belong to an eternal family, right? And which has an eternal home in heaven. Point four, total security. All life is found in the fatherhood of God. You're a child of God, God of the universe that created, created, and we're created for His as His children. So it's total security. It's like a picture of a child, right, in his father's, in her or his father's arms, and. When that child is in that place, no matter what's going on around them, they are um, totally secure in their father's arms. Jesus assured us that the father is greater than all that surrounds us and that no one is able to snatch us out of his hand. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If our Father has committed Himself to give us the kingdom, then no power in the universe can take it, uh, can withhold it from us. So, to, um, so identity, self-worth, awareness of he- home in heaven, total security, and a motivation for service. Uh, Philippians two verse three says, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit." To help us, Jesus gave us a, um, a model to follow. He said, The Father has not left me alone, for always do those things that please Him. That's John 8, verse 29. So there is always a sweeter, purer motive than personal ambition, and that is to simply please our Father. What if we approach every decision in our life with the simple question, How can I please my Father? 
And number six, we have full and unrestricted access to, f- to, uh, to the family business, and that is the works and the miracles of the Father. You know, the kingdom, this God's kingdom, is the only kingdom that you really get rewarded for things that He does through you. <laughs> God's work, you now God's work is designed to impress, impact, and leave a mark on your life. Did you know that God's, the way God's wired your brain and miracles, um, because the Bible says the works of the Lord are to be remembered. So the way he he has formed our brain and um, miracles, his works, they go hand in hand. They are to be remembered. So they are are to leave an, uh, a mark on our lives. They are to impress us and make an impact. They're des- designed to set us on a collision course with our Father because the signs and wonders will always point us back to the Father, will always take us back to the Father. And His nature is revealed through the works. Every miracle is a package, and when it's opened, it reveals the nature of God And there are layers to that package, like a gift being opened. Whenever there's a miracle, there's an invitation for an encounter. As God is longing to draw us into relationship and to reveal himself in a different way every time he does a, a particular miracle. So true transformation happens when we experience the glory of God displayed through His works. Miracles should always lead us to wonder. And we should be concerned if we move into a season in our lives where we lose the awe and the wonder. Isn't that so true? You know, the Father wants to impress us. Not as an entertainer, but as a father who is wooing us to greater significance. The concept of exposing us to wonders is to move us into awe. God is an inf- infinite God, and He does things that don't make sense to our infinite minds. But God is wanting us to draw, draw us into a greater place of significance. It is the awe of the Father that keeps us in that tender, childlike place, we are ready to admit we don't know what is going on. But in the middle of his hand, we are in the middle of his hand, and we can completely trust him. That's why God encourages us to keep a childlike faith. Keep in awe, keep in wonder of what he's doing. When we live from a place of awe, you know, thankfulness is easy. Right? Worship is normal, and a childlike response is, is easy. All this and more is, is available to us through the knowledge of God as our Father. So, identity, self-worth, awareness of a home in heaven, total security, a motivation for service, and full access to the... the, the, the um, Full access to the family business, which is miracles, signs, and wonders. If we have found Jesus as the way, let us rejoice. So this Christmas, let us rejoice because we found Jesus as the way. But let not be content to continue 
on the way without arriving at the destination. And that is knowing God as Father. To miss this point would to be frustrate the reason why Jesus actually came. So, love your Heavenly Father, know your Heavenly Father, and make Him known. So this Christmas time, let's, let's do that. Let's love on our Heavenly Father. Let's know Him more intimately, and let's make Him known. We are co-heirs with Christ and have the same opportunity to engage with our Heavenly Father in the family business. You know, God is a loving Father. And the greatest vacuum in the world is the knowledge of, God, of the nature of God as Father. So this, this season, the why, the why of Christmas is really about the Father. Jesus was a gift that was given out of love, um, love of the Father. Amen? Amen. So it's good to ask the question, why? Isn't it? Because, you know, the tendency, we all have a tendency to stop at what's before us, but not actually realize, well, what is it, you know, where, where is it leading us? What is it pointing, what, what is it, where is it pointing us back to? So, Phil, if you want to come up and... Thank you, Lord. Let's be upstanding, church. Thank you that, um, Lord, during this Christmas time, Lord God, that we'll, we will truly remember what you've done for us through your Son, Jesus, Lord. Lord, that you sent him to die on the cross for us, Lord, so that, you, that we may be able to have full access back to you as our Father in heaven. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've not only done that for us, but you've also made us part of the family business. Lord, you've made us children. Lord, you've made us co-heirs with Jesus Christ, that we can stand as a son and a daughter, Lord, and just and, and, and just be in our Father's arms. Have peace, Lord. We just... Just have that peace, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, that for that identity that you give us in you, Lord God. For the self-worth, Lord God, that you give us. The purpose, Lord God. So, Lord God, I just thank you, Lord, that as even today, Lord God, if there, if there is um, anyone here that doesn't know you as Father, maybe has heard about you, but it has no revelation of you as a father. I just pray that you give them that revelation right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, Lord, that you sent your son to die. That if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, that you've done that for us. And that you raised him up from the dead. And that he's now seated next to you in heaven. So we say yes, Lord. We say yes to you this morning. That's all it requires is a yes. We, Lord, we say yes because we want to, we love you, but we also want to know you. We want to know you. And we want to make you known. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, as that we, that as a church, we will get to the place where we can truly say, where we can truly say, don't believe me if I do not do my Father's works. Lord, that we move into a place of miracles, signs, and wonders that become the norm. Lord, and that whatever we do in our lives always point to something greater. All our accomplishments, Lord God, will always point to something greater. And it points back to you. So, Lord, thank you for the why of Christmas. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.